Amen. That's good. Thank you, brother. Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Acts chapter 5. Begin reading verse 1. Very familiar portion of Scripture probably to a lot. Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of, of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the churches and upon all upon as many as heard these things. Look back there in, in verse 3. Notice it says, And Peter said, And Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? So why did you lie to the Holy Ghost? He said, You said that you sold it for so much, but you evidently you sold it for more. It wasn't that he had to give all the money, but he lied about it. He said, Why is it that you've lied to the Holy Ghost? Look down at verse 4. The latter part of that says, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Thou hast lied unto God. You know, we've always heard in our lives, honesty is the best policy. And it's definitely the best policy with the Lord. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, Being Honest with God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. We thank you for the good song, Lord, that was just sung. Lord, we thank you for... The blessing it is, Lord, we do need to stay in that old-fashioned way, Lord. And, Lord, we need to recommend it to others. And, Lord, need to point them to Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd be with us tonight. If there be anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, their Savior, I pray, Lord, that you would work in their hearts, open their minds, Lord, to you, to the Spirit of God. Bring conviction, draw them that only you can. And, Lord, I pray that they might get saved. But, Lord, I pray for every Christian here that you might speak to our hearts, open our minds, that we might obey and do that which is pleasing unto you and allow you to work and bring conviction in our lives about things that might need to be changed or things that we might need to look at in our lives and do differently. That we might bring honor and glory to your name. And Lord, I pray now that you bless, Lord, the preaching of thy word. For us pray in Jesus' name, for his sake, amen. You be seated. There's a lot of people that play games with the Lord. But one of the most destructive is lying to the Lord. 
You've often heard me say, and I, and I, I stand by it, that if you can't be honest with God, or if you can't be honest with yourself, how are you going to be honest with God? And if you can't be honest with God, even God himself can't help you. The fact is that we've got to be honest about some things in our lives with the Lord. Not with some things, but with all things. You see, being dishonest with God happens in many different ways. A lot of people think, well, it's just something I said. No, it happens in many different ways. Look there, he says, thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. I want to look at a few things tonight and, and point out a few things that maybe we need to examine our hearts and minds and see if we're being honest with God. So, oh, preacher, I, I love the Lord. I, I'm honest with God. Well, let's look at it tonight. It won't bother you then if we look at it and make sure that we're being honest with God. Because the most important thing in your life and my life is the Lord, and we need to be honest with Him. When we ignore our sin as if it's not sin, we're dishonest with the Lord. When we say, well, that's not really sin. That's not that big of a deal. That's not really sin. When we ignore sin in our lives and we shove it out of the way, allowing it to remain in our lives, we're being dishonest with God. Isaiah 5 and verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that puts bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There's a lot of folks today that want to look at Sin that the Bible spells out that is sin. And, and, and I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. Homosexuality is sin. But the world wants to say, no, it's, it's just, you know, I, it, whatever. You know, they want to change the, the title of it. We have got in a, in a day and time now where people talk about drinking. They say, well, you know, I, I, you know drinking is it's a disease. Well, yeah, in one way it is because sin is a disease, I guess. But it's sin. We many times we go through situations and and we look at our lives and we look at what's taking place and we say, well, that's not really sin. That's just you know this is the way it is. This is uh, uh, just recently some you know different ones to talk and say and and some people say, well, I don't believe the way you believe. Doesn't matter how you believe. What the, matters is what the Bible says. Well, preacher, we just don't believe the way you believe. Okay, I'm not asking you to believe the way I believe. I'm asking you to believe what the Bible says. Because if you don't believe what the Bible says, that's sin. Because the Bible says, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so you can deny something is sin. But really what you're doing is you're being dishonest with God. And you're being dishonest with yourself. You're not only lying to yourself, but you're lying to God. Because you're saying, well, yeah, the Bible, well, preacher, you know, that, that, that book is old and it's outdated. And it's, you know, it's, uh, uh, this is, this is tw 2021. How long ago was that Bible written? It's still the Word of God. And sin is still sin. We sometimes play the game, well, it's not on the top ten uh, sin list, so it's, no big deal. We're, we're being honest with the Lord. The fact is, is that, you know, sometimes we look at sin and say, well, you know, we've all heard that, well, it, it wasn't a bad lie. It was just, it's just a little white lie. That's what they call it, you know, a little white lie. Well, lying is lying. Well, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. Uh, uh, you know, 
they gave me, you know, when they paid me, when they give me my change back and everything, I, I noticed that, that, uh, that uh, they gave me five extra dollars back. And after all, everything's overpriced anyways. Well, guess what? Your dishonesty is lying. And you're justifying that dishonesty. And what you're saying is, it's not sin. And we treat it as though that it's okay. We could go on and we could give different examples of that. And I, and I, and I used the verse there already, but uh, he that knoweth do good and doeth not to him it is sin. When you know what is right and when you do not do what is right, it's sin. And sometimes we, you say, well, preacher, I didn't kill somebody. I, I've actually had people, well, I've never killed anybody. Well, there's other sin besides killing somebody. Well, I've never cheated on my wife. Well, there's more sin, other sins besides cheating on your wife. Well, I, I've, never, I've never, you know, well, there's more than that. And sometimes we have this list of things. If we don't do this top ten things that we call sin, man, we're all right. Well, could I tell you that the Lord, in the eyes of the Lord, sin is sin? Doesn't matter what your sin is. Sin is sin. And when we take that attitude, well, it's not that big a deal. We're lying to ourselves, but even worse, we're lying to God. When we think that we have a right to sin and to hang on to it, being dishonest, we're being dishonest with the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Sometimes we cover our sins with a with, with trying to justify. Well, I have a right to be mad at them. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be jealous. I have a right. You don't know, preacher, you don't know what they did to me. Maybe I don't. But the Bible still says you're supposed to forgive them. And to hang on to that, it's like a cancer and it'll eat you alive. This world is hanging on to things and justifying why they do things. Well, preacher, if you was in my situation, well, I understand that maybe you was in a very bad situation. And I understand that if I was, in, could, could I be honest? Maybe if I was in your situation, I would do the same thing. I'm being honest. But can I ask you something? Does that make it right? Because sin sin. People harbor things for years and years and years sometimes. Hatred, anger, all kinds of... Uh, uh, it's sad. I, I've, known of, I've known of family members that have such a... Uh, have been angry with a, a sibling or, or a mom or dad or somebody like that that, that they, they quit talking to them. They won't have anything to do with them. They're, and they just kind of cut them off and... And they, and they just kind of, well, you don't know what they did to me. Okay. But does that make it right? Does that make it right? And I've seen them cut them off and, and never have anything to do with them. And then all of a sudden, this family member dies. And it's too late to get it right. It's too late to forgive. Too late to say, 
you know, you really hurt me, but I forgive you. I, uh, several years ago, we had the Johnsons in, I believe it was Haiti, they're missionaries in Haiti, I believe it was. I might be wrong on that. But I remember Mr. Johnson was, had went on another part of the island or the next island over or something, working with church in, in, the, in, the, in the missions that he had, churches that he'd started. And his wife was at home and some men broke into their home while Miss Johnson was there. Robbed them and, and sexually abused them. They came back. He got back and found out what had taken place and all. They came home on a furlough and, and just, you know, the, 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 the stress from it all. And after a while, she said, we got to go back. And people asked her, well, aren't you afraid? She said, I've already forgiven them. I've forgiven them. She said, they've got to live with that. I'm not going to live with it. And she forgave them. You know, some of those things we justify, and, and you would look at a situation like that, and you say, well, if anybody has a right to hold anger, to be angry with other people, and, and to not forgive them, you would think somebody like that would have. But I think of Stephen. As they took him out to stone him because he had been preaching the gospel. He said, Lord, lay, them, lay not this to their account. You know what Stephen was saying as they was killing him? Lord, forgive them. Don't lay this to their account. Yet sometimes we hang on to the little things and it's like a cancer that eats us and we wonder why we don't get victory in our lives. It's because we're not being honest with God and because we have lied to Him and said, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be just. Or I have a right, whatever it might be. We blame others for our sin and sometimes and the downfallings that we that we're, and we're being dishonest with God. You know, I, we live in a day and time that everybody's pointing a finger at somebody else. Well, it's their fault. Well, it's their fault. I'm in this type of shape because of them. It's their fault. It's their fault. I'm not saying that some of those things doesn't happen and some of those things doesn't affect our lives. But can I tell you something? That when we don't take control over our own lives and we do the th those things and we make choices ourselves and we try to blame it on somebody else. People go through life blaming everybody else because their life is a mess. We all have choices. And I'm not saying that sometimes that the situations that we're in, that it does make it hard and it does make it uh, difficult and it does create problems. But sometimes we're so quick to point to somebody else and their fault. I remember it. <laughs> I know you've never done this. But when you was raised in our house with Rick and I, we're both preachers now. We get to fighting around and doing different things. And 
Mom had this decorative ceramic leaf on the coffee table in the living room. And we got to goofing around. And uh, I don't know how Rick broke it. He did. <laughs> Big old chip out of it. And we knew that we was in trouble. So what do you do? You go get glue. That's what you do. <laughs> and we glued that chip back into that thing. And a couple days went by and <laughs> she'll never see it. We did such a good job. One day she was dusting things. The glue didn't hold very good and it popped off of there. She said, boys, and I want to say, and he was standing there going, and actually it was both of us. We was wrestling around and we dropped something on it. But the first instinct is to blame everybody else for what you've done. You know what? That's where we're at in America today. We're blaming everybody else for our problem. And we're not taking the responsibilities for our own actions. But you know what? When the Lord looks at you and I and he says, like he did at David, and he pointed at, at the prophet of God, pointed that finger in David's face and said, Thou art the man. The Lord looks at you and I and he says, You're the one. It's your fault. It's a choice that you made. I'll never forget a, a message that I heard. I, I, I'm not going to say the message. I remember the title. And I've, I've remembered this title years ago. I'm talking about 30 probably years plus years ago. A man preached a message and the title of it was, It's My Fault, Blame Me. It's My Fault, Blame Me. Sometimes we don't want to take the responsibility and we want to blame somebody else. But the Bible says in Romans 14, 12, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself. Yes. One of these days, it doesn't matter who you blame, one of these days you're going to give an account before the Lord of yourself. Amen. It's better to be honest with the Lord now. We're not being honest with God when we say that we're saved and we're not saved. I went through life, a period of time in my life that I was being dishonest. I remember going forward in, in, in a church when I was younger and people said that I got saved and I knew that I hadn't got saved. I just went forward because everybody else went forward and they said I was happy and, you know, I was waiting for the cookies and everything else. You know, I was a little fat boy and I just went, well, just give me the cookies. And I remember as... Uh, in 1975, before I actually got saved, I remember sitting in the back with my friends and under deep conviction, knowing that I was lost and on my way to, to devil's hell. And I remember the lady that stood in front. I don't, remember, I don't remember who she was, but I remember just as vividly as anything, her turn around and looking me square in the eye. And she said, and she pointed for me, she said, would you like to go forward and get saved this morning? And I had a hold of the back of the pew, and I, I bet my knuckles was turning white. I was hanging on to it. So tight, I looked at her and I said, no, I'm okay. You know what I was doing? I was lying. 
I thought I was lying to her, but I was lying to myself, and ultimately, I was lying to God. I was being dishonest about spending where I was going to spend eternity in my eternal soul and in salvation, and so I was lying to God. You see, in Matthew 7, 21, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter to the kingdom of heaven, but he which doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. And I had, I had said that I was saved, but I wasn't saved. I had said that he was my Savior, but he was not my Savior. Saying so doesn't make it so. You must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must come to a place where you realize that you're a sinner, that you can't make it to heaven on earth, and repent of your sin. Ask the Lord to forgive you your sin and come into your heart and life and save you. Everything else is just words, folks. You must be born again. We've got to be honest with God. We must be honest with God by looking at our lives the way he looks at our lives. You see, here's what happens. The Bible says that we measure ourselves by ourselves or we measure basically ourselves by those around us. Otherwise saying, well, I don't do what he does, so I'm better than him. Everybody thinks, why? It's a good Christian. I must be all right. I don't do what he does. And, and Matt, you know, he, he, he does this and that, and it's not a big deal, but I don't do that. Look at him. I mean, he's going to a Christian college. He's, he's, he's preparing, going maybe in, into full-time service. I don't know, but, you know, but I don't do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Look at Silas here. Good upstanding fellow and everything. But he's mean to his sister. Right, Leah? She's back here shaking her head, yeah. Are you? Sometimes. Be honest now. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> I don't treat my sister that, that way. Well, I used to, but I don't anymore. I must be all right. I look at Blake. I say, yep, I'm good. <clears throat> And we measure ourselves by others, don't we? But did you ever notice that we don't go pick somebody out that might measure a little higher than us? Why is it that we don't go to the Word of God and measure ourselves by the Word of God? That is the measuring stick. Because that measuring stick is what Jesus Christ is measured by. And we should not compare ourselves to ourselves, but we should compare ourselves to Jesus Christ. You say, but preacher, it's impossible to be like Jesus Christ, fully, completely like Him. He was sinless. He was flawless. Understand. But do you realize that the Bible says that, he's, that the Lord is working in our hearts and lives to, to, to change us into the image of His Son, to be like His Son? Little by little, that's why the change is He's working in your heart and life. To make you, to conform you to the image of His very own Son. That's why He says that let this heart, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Otherwise, learning to think like Jesus Christ did. Does it happen immediately? No. Will it happen in your lifetime? No. But you should strive for it. You should work that direction. But many times, what we do is we 
lie to ourselves and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. Like I told that lady, no, I'm okay. And I claimed that I was saved. And we wasn't being honest with, I, look, I wasn't looking at myself the way God looked at me. When you're sitting here, don't look at yourself the way that somebody else looks at you. Don't look at yourself the way that maybe you would think that the preacher's looking at you. But look at yourself the way God looks at you. And consider how God considers your life. The psalmist said in Psalms 44, 21, Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. The Lord knows the secrets of your heart. You can sit here and you can look good and, and boy, put a big smile on your face, sing those songs and do everything just right. But you know what? Down deep inside there may be some bitterness, there may be anger, there may be all kinds of other things that nobody else knows about in your life. But God does. God does. And He searches the heart. And the problem is, is that you're not thinking about your life in the, in the viewpoint of God. You're thinking about your life in the viewpoint of yourself or somebody else. And 1 John 3.20 says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. The Lord knows. And so why, you know, uh, I've got a message down in my office somewhere that I've preached a couple times. I usually had preached it in to teenagers and in uh, uh, school chapels, and it's the seven levels of lying. Seven levels of lying. There's seven levels. Actually, you can track, track them, and uh, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but it starts out that you'll lie, first of all, to protect yourself from getting in trouble. But it goes down the line, and after a while, you do it for convenience sake. It goes down the line, and you do it because it becomes a habit. And on goes down the line, and I forget all the different steps that it is, but you get down to that, to that last step, and you begin to believe your own lie. I know people who believe their own lies. No times you say that, oh, that person that lie, if the truth, even if the truth would have done them better. They just lie about everything. I've known people that they, they, couldn't, they couldn't tell you the truth if their life depended on it. They just had to embellish it or lie about it. And what's sad is I, I've known people who, who they begin, you can stand there and you can say, and you can watch them, they reach in their pocket, and you say, hey, you dropped your keys. No, I didn't. I saw you drop your keys. No, I didn't. I dropped my keys. I'm telling you, hey, don't tell me. I know whether I dropped my keys or not. Listen, I saw you take them out of your pocket and just drop them on the floor. I didn't. There must be a hole in my pocket. And they will literally argue with you until the cows come home. Oh, for you younger ones. Until the sun goes down. How's that? That better? <laughs> And they will argue with you and get mad and they will even curse you and, and cry and throw a fit because you're calling them a liar. I didn't lie. I know what happened. And they believe their own lie. 
The sad part is, is the Lord knows the heart. And yet they will not admit and look at their life and look at the things in their life the way God looks at their, at their life. You know, here's where we get caught up a lot of times. We're afraid of what, well, what does he think about me? What does he think about him? What is he thinking about him? And we get caught up in all this. Can I tell you something? It really doesn't matter what he thinks about me. And it really doesn't matter what he thinks about him. What really matters is what he thinks about me. What he says. Because if I try to please him instead of him, I'm going to fail. If I try to please all these guys on the front row, I'm going to fail. So what really matters is that I try to please the Lord and be obedient unto him. And so that, I, that he, because he's, what he thinks about me is what really matters. You know what I found out a long time ago? If I'll try to please him and do what, and look at my life the way he looks at my life, a lot of times these guys, they'll fall right in line and say, hey, good job. Because the Lord is what matters. And so many times we get to a place where we're thinking about what others think instead of about what God thinks. It'll take a mind that wants to follow the Lord, to look at our lives the way He does. Philippians 2 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Otherwise, the mind of Christ guiding us to look at our own lives and say, You know, we, we've heard this saying, um, What would Jesus do? Well, that, that's a good thought. What would Jesus do? What would he think? What does he think about this situation in my life? About what I'm about to do? What I'm about, where I'm about to go? Uh, the, the relationship I'm about to be in? The, the job I'm about to take? The, the avenue I'm, supposed to, I'm about to walk in my life? Because that's really what matters is what he thinks. Let this mind be in you, which all in Christ Jesus. We'll hate sin. If we want to please the Lord, if we want to, to look at our lives the way the Lord looks at our lives, we'll hate sin in our lives. Enough to call it what it is. Do you know what we do a lot of times? I messed up. No, you didn't mess up, you sinned. <laughs> that's kind of, that's, 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 that's a rough word to use. I, I, I messed up. No, you didn't, you sinned. Well, I, I, I messed up. No, you sinned, and let me take it a step further. You sinned against a holy God. No, 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 no. I wasn't. No, 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 no. I'm not. No. You see, all sin is against God. But we don't look at it that way. Well, you know, I lied to Wyatt. No big deal. He'll get over it. No, you lied to God. No, I lied to him. No, your lie was actually to the Lord. If you're a child of God. Well, how, how, how do you get that? What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For you've been bought with a price. Therefore, 
Glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. So because I belong to him, every act that I commit, whether it be to him or him or him or him, is actually committed to him. And so we need to look at our lives the way that the Lord looks at our lives. And we need to realize that he is watching and he's taking note of all. We need to hate that sin in our lives. That sin that because it's a sin against God. In Romans 12, 9, it says, Let love be without dissimulation. And notice what it says here. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Otherwise, hate that sin that's in your life. God hates sin. Hate the sin. God doesn't hate the sinner, but God hates the sin. And we should hate the sin that's in our lives because it comes between us and our, and our God in heaven. We need to be honest then with ourselves about our sin. The psalmist, David. In Psalms 51, David wrote, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. He doesn't look at it and say, Lord, would you clean up my mess? No, he said, blot out my transgression. You know what transgression is? It's doing something against somebody else. And David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he had, and this is the prayer where Nathan the prophet comes to him about that. And he, he's admitting that he has transgressed not only against Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, who he had killed, but against God. He said, blot out my transgressions. He looks at that sin in his life as it is. He begins to admit it. He goes on and, and he admits it again. He says, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. He says, I am wicked. I've got iniquity in my life. He's admitting this to God. He goes on and he says, and cleanse me from my sin. He calls it what God calls it. He admits it in his life. I have iniquity in my life. I've transgressed against you, Lord. I have sin in my life. He's being honest with himself here. Up until that time, David had tried to hide his sin. What do you mean he tried to hide it? Well, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and she was going to have a child by him. So he brought Uriah the Hittite home, and he tried to get Uriah to go home and be with his wife so that he could say, okay, no, that's not my child, that's Uriah's child. But he couldn't hide it. So then he had Uriah killed. So that Uriah could say, no, I didn't go and, and sleep with my wife. That has to be somebody else. He was trying to hide it. But now, all of a sudden, he's admitting his sin. He's admitting that he had sinned against God and against, against those that was involved. In verse 3, it says, For I acknowledge my transgressions. You know one of the biggest problems in Christian's life is we will not acknowledge the sin in our lives. We won't overlook it. We won't say somebody else's is worse than mine, so mine's not that big of a deal. We don't want to admit it. Well, let me, have you ever had a, everybody here has, a little bitty splinter in your finger? I mean, that thing gets down in there, and it feels like somebody's taking a, a, a big old needle and going, Ugh! and stabbing you every time that little bitty splinter is rubbed. Isn't it amazing how something so small can be so painful? I mean, I've got bifocals, and sometimes I take the bifocals, and I'm going, 
where's that booger at? And I go get a magnifying glass, use my bifocals and the magnifying glass. That's what's hurting me? That little bitty thing? And I mean, it's uncomfortable. It hurts. It bothers you. Enough so that I am willing. I'll take the, if I can't get that rascal, I'll get the, the fingernail clippers and start cutting all the skin around it. I don't care. I want it out of there. And after I cut all that skin away and finally get that little thing, it's like, oh, I feel so good. Then I got to heal up from that. I got my finger smashed one time by a big piece of steel frame coming down on another pipe. My finger was in between. I was holding it. We come, I stepped in a hole and it came down like this, and, and it smashed this finger so much so that it, uh, it almost blew the side out of my finger. But it didn't. And that's probably the closest I ever come to passing out. I'm serious. It'd take a lot for me to pass out. Unless you give me a lot of homemade ice cream. <clears throat> It hurt. My dad said, sit down, sit down. He said, man, you're as white as a sheet. Pretty soon I got up and we went ahead and continued our work, got done. I went home that night. And that finger that was smashed down here began to hurt all up this arm. Across this shoulder and into my neck. The blood was building up underneath that fingernail. Janine, she says, well, take a needle and stick a needle down in there. You know, you get it hot and you go down there and make a hole in it, let that blood out of there. <laughs> Loving wife. <laughs> so this is at night, and by this time, this is like 7 o'clock at night, 7, 8 o'clock at night. I couldn't sit down. That's how much pain all the way up my arm and up my neck from that finger. So I call a friend of mine that is a doctor there in town. I said, hey, now this is what I have. He said, come on down to the office. I'll meet you down to the office. So I went down there. And I thought, well, he'll, he'll put a little hole in like, you know, like I was talking about. He can do it. I won't have to do it and, and, and everything. If I pass out, he can revive me. <laughs> so what he does, he picks up this syringe and needle like that, and he takes my hand like that. He said, this is going to hurt. That's an understatement. <clears throat> the doctor tells you it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. He takes that needle, sticks it up underneath the fingernail. I thought, oh. He pulls it out. I thought, oh, good. He said, this stuff's going to burn to it. All of a sudden, it starts burning. <laughs> I thought, well, at least it's over. He says, no, again, and then again, and then again, and then again. And then he sticks it in his thing and soaks it there by then. I've got to hold this, this thing I'm sitting on like that, and I'm digging my fingernails into it. I thought, now he's going to put the hole in it. He goes over, gets these locking little pliers like that, and walk, walks over like that, takes my hand like that, and goes, and shoves them up underneath that, and he starts peeling the nail right off. I ain't feeling it. But as soon as he made that first tear, the blood went like that, and my whole arm was like, 
By then, I'm feeling good. I'm going to go there and pull the thing off there. I don't care. But he gets midway where he didn't reach with that needle, and it begins to hurt again. And I go, oh. And he goes, oh, that is that, that tenor? Yeah. He reaches for the needle again. He starts giving me more shots. <laughs> Say, why did you tell us that? Because a little thing in your life can affect you all over. A little thing, the little things that we say it's not a big deal, that we're not being honest with ourselves about, is a big deal in the eyes of God. And it'll grow into something bigger, and it'll create more problems in your life. Because you're not being honest with the Lord. You're not acknowledging your sin. Don't look for excuses and ways around it. That's being dishonest with God and your own self. You'll not find peace. You'll not find the joy. You'll not find the blessings of God if you're not honest with yourself. Because you'll not get it right with the Lord until you're honest with yourself. Let me say again. You'll not get peace you'll not get joy until you get honest with yourself and with God because you will not get it right with God until you get honest with yourself and get honest with God. You see, honest, being honest don't look like excuses. Be honest about your anger. Be honest about your jealousy. Be honest about your unforgiveness. Be honest about your wrong thoughts. Be honest about your wrong words. Be honest about your wrong actions, and we could go on and on. Be honest about those things. Then get them right with the Lord. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, we're not dealing with man. We're dealing with an all-knowing God that knows everything about us, every thought, every intent, everything about us. The Lord knows it all. And so we're dealing with the Lord. We're not dealing with somebody that can't read our minds and, and know our heart. We're dealing with the Lord who knows the heart. And Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God knows everything. You might as well be honest with Him and be honest with yourself. He already knows. You're hiding nothing. We need to be honest with God. That's why we don't pray like we should. Because we're not being honest with God. That's why we don't read our Bible and study the Word of God like we should. Because we're spiritually cold. And we won't be honest with God about it. He knows our heart. You see, if we'll get honest with the Lord, then He lets... It gets right where we need to be. gets us where we need to be. And then He can bless our lives then we can enjoy the Lord and the blessing of the Lord. And as we listen to, listen to what David says about this, I read what David was talking about there, but let me pick back up in verse 6. David said this after he confessed those things, after he had admitted where he was spiritually and was asking the Lord for forgiveness. He goes on and says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Verse 6. He said, You want me to be truthful. You desire that in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. 
Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He says, listen, if I'll get that stuff out of my life, if I'll confess it, if I'll be honest about it, he said, then I can begin to enjoy the things of God. I can enjoy the word of God. I, I'm not sitting under the preacher of God's word thinking, man, I wish he'd get done. I wish he would quit. Is he preaching to me? How'd he know about that? Well, I didn't. God did. He goes on and says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There must have been a, a, a dirty heart there. There must have been an unclean spirit there in David's life. He says, Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then he says in verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Can I tell you something? As long as you're harboring sin in your life, as long as you're not honest about the things in your life, as long as you're not honest with God, you're not going to enjoy the things of God. You know why a lot of Christians are miserable? Because they're not honest with God and they're not honest with themselves. And so therefore they're unable to, to enjoy the things of God. They're in, unable to enjoy their salvation. He goes on and says, Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I, will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted. Unto thee. Then after you've got into that place where you're honest with God and honest with, and get things right in your life and honest with yourself, hey listen, then God can use you to reach others. He can use you. He says, Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Song in your heart again. Is that song missing? Maybe it's because you're not being honest with God. He goes on and says, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall, shall show thy, forth thy praise. You get back your praise for God when you get honest with God. When you get honest about yourself. When you get those things right, he says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, otherwise one that's got honest with him. A broken and contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. And then he says, in verse 19, as he's closing out this psalm, he says, Then shalt thou be pleased. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness and with the burnt offering of whole burnt offering, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Can I ask you tonight, are you being honest with yourself about yourself? Are you looking at your life the way God looks at your life? Are you being honest with God about everything? He already knows. But sometimes we measure ourselves by ourselves or by somebody else and we're not being honest with ourselves. If we're not honest with ourselves, we're not honest with God. We must be honest with ourselves. Like David, he poured it all out. You know what? Sometimes as a Christian, I don't know about you, but I have to do this. Sometimes it's just good to get to a to a place and get on my knees and just pour it all out to God. Say, God, you know it anyways. I'm going to admit it and ask him to forgive me. Boy, there's a burden lifted. The joy comes back. The song in your heart comes back. You begin to be used of God, and God uses you in, in a powerful way. The blessings of God begin to, to show up in your life. Be honest with God. Let's pray.
Lord, we come to you tonight and we ask that you'd help us to be honest with you about our lives, about our thinking, about our words, about our attitudes. Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves. Lord, that we might be honest with you. Sometimes it's just good for us to get to an altar and say, Lord, I just want you to show me if there's anything in my heart and life that shouldn't be there. Because I honestly want to serve you. I honestly want to be used by you. Lord, I pray that you just draw us near to you. And I know sometimes when we preach a message like this, people don't want to use an altar. But it doesn't matter what people think. What matters is what you can think and what you know. Help us to be honest with you. Help us to be honest with ourselves. Have your will and way in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?